hello and welcome to episode 91 of the 1099 for the week of May 8th, 2017. I am your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is freelance video game mercenary, YouTube personality, wrestler in training, and a returning guest, Simon <laughs> Miller. Dude, how are you doing today? Well, I'm great now. What an introduction. You like I that? Yeah. I don't ever see myself with all, all those things, but I'll take it. <laughs> I'm more than happy to be called all of those things. So yeah, happy days. When you're called a mercenary and a wrestler in the same sentence, I'm pretty sure whatever you're doing, you're doing effectively. Exactly. Like that, the, that seems like you're living your best life. The word mercenary is something I've always aimed for. And now it's finally <laughs> happening. I feel like he, all, the, all these hours, Simon, all the hard work is paying off. People it was either mercenary. mercenary or juggernaut, but I feel like juggernaut was too on the nose because you could probably <laughs> play juggernaut in some sort of movie. So I was like, nah, let's go. Let's go in a different direction. I like uh, and it. Yeah, I, I think it fits you. I think you should put that on your resume. Uh, and like, <laughs> it's, it's crazy because you, you've been on this podcast before, but last time we talked, things were different in your life. You had massively. I mean, the Millerport was gaining steam on Video Gamer. You were talking about a whole new website redesign for the site at that time. You were you were just starting your wrestling journey. Like, nothing had really happened with it yet. But, I mean, now, 2017, Simon Miller, I mean, you have your own Patreon. You're writing all over the place. You have a wrestling podcast, which seems to be doing well. And you, you don't sleep. You're busier than anyone <laughs> I maybe know. I mean, let's just start. Let's start here. How did all of this current iteration of everything you're doing come about what changed at video gamer i know you know a lot of people left it's an entirely different site at this point but what changed at video gamer that made you become uh, this freelance mercenary this, this person <laughs> who doesn't sleep and is uh, constantly doing stuff just to be called a mercenary that was it yeah. i was a hound what do i have to do <laughs> no it, it was basically just one of those things where like i, I everybody did who, who was on the team put a lot of time and effort and thought into the new website which is going on now you know the videogamer.com as far as i'm aware is still doing really good i still do the odd bit the odd video for them every now and then but it was just one of those things where i mean i was doing a lot of outside projects anyway when i was still at video gamer which were for a time just fun little things that i was doing and one of which was the uh, the what culture stuff obviously their wrestling youtube channel is pretty huge mm -hmm. and i was just doing the odd video for them and it just got to a point where I was like, you know, you have those moments sometimes where you sit down and you think, right, what do I actually, you know, want to do? What, what, what excites me? Why am I waking up every morning? <laughs> and it was kind of like, I think that I could have stayed at Video Gamer and helped them out. And, you know, I'm not saying I, I was unhappy there because I certainly wasn't. But it was just one of those moments when I thought they're relaunching the site. They're about to go off in a new direction. I've got all these other outside projects going on. There's other stuff I want to do. And if I had sort of more freedom to do that, I would invest the time in there. And so I just thought, you know what, let's take a risk. And it really was that simple. And I was terrified before I did it because I was like, what if I don't get any work? I think most freelancers think that. Like, you know, if I go freelance, you kind of live month to month worrying about a paycheck. But I, I was literally like, well, if you're going to do it now is the time because the website is going off in a different direction. If you split now, it's a very nice way to do it as the new video game arises. And I can, you know, it's like I'm still helping out but can go off and do my own thing. And the more I thought about it and the more I thought about sort of helping what culture out more and launching my own stuff and, you know, the uh, the pro wrestling was uh, was going on then. But I thought to myself, well, you know, if, you, if you're controlling your own hours, you can dedicate more time to that as well because that is the the very basis of uh, of wrestling yeah. is you need weird hours <laughs> to go and do stuff. <laughs> like, can you come set up this ring at like 3.25? Now I go, yeah, I'll be there. But when you've got a nine to five, you're like, ah, no, what? No, what are we talking about? I'm an adult. I can't just go out at 3.45. So yeah, it was just one of those things where everything started to click. And I had this feeling in my gut where I was like, I think this is a risk you should, you should take, Simon, because if you don't, 
you'll regret it. And even if it does go bad, you'll regret it more not taking it. So I thought, screw it, let's just do it. But is it difficult kind of to go to the mindset of going from maybe the security of something like video gaming, which was mostly full-time, to, of course, right now you're doing 800 things, so it's not the normal <laughs> freelance path where maybe you're... You're sometimes you're waiting on emails from Polygon, like, oh, I really hope they accept this picture. Shit, yeah. go really south this month. I mean, again, the more standard path is you do a bunch of freelance. Uh, maybe you, you start writing for either free or close to, and then you start getting bigger uh, paydays for certain articles, and then you might find that regular job. So was it easy to kind of jump from the mindset of security at Video Gamer to a little bit of let's test the water in multiple ways? And like, just right now... It, what is your actual freelance week like? Because you have what <laughs> culture, you have your Patreon, you have, um, I think you might be doing something for the filming with the Miller Report. You have like all these different things going on. Like, how has the transition been? It's, it's weird because like, I think this is the same for anybody that's a freelancer. I still am petrified that I'm going to wake up the next day and, and realize I have no work. Even though up to this point, I've had, I've, I've been very blessed in the sense I've had loads of work. Uh, so it was difficult. I and mean, I'm probably... I've probably eased into it now a little bit, but certainly the first few months you're very trepidatious and worried about, you know, you know what am I doing? Because it, it is like starting a new job because all of a sudden you don't have to be anywhere. You know, you have to yeah. be self-motivated and, and make sure that you're in control of your own hours. So in that sense, it is very, very weird. But I've been lucky in the sense that I always have been, I've been able to sort of, you know, pick myself up and, you know, and I don't roll out of bed at like 10 o'clock in my pants and just get to work. Like, I'm one of these people that, I'm one of these assholes that gets up at six and does loads of stuff. So in that sense, it was really good. Um, but there definitely was an adjustment period where you have to understand, you know, you get to the end of that first month and, you know, there's no money in your account because you have to chase that money. You know, it's another part of, of your job is get the cash. They owe it to you. Doesn't mean they're going to pay you. So you have to go out there and chase that cash. And I think that's the hardest thing for me. It's just knowing that you could just have nothing all of a sudden. Uh, but if it, but I, I like it. I, I think that it it helps with my it helps drive me in another way because I kind of feel like it's that classic thing. Now I feel like my time is my money, as people say. It sounds ridiculous, but it is true. Mm. So it's like okay, I have to monetize my time as much as possible to ensure that I am earning you know the the same as I would if I was in a, a comfortable job or things like that. And I like it. I think I like the everyday. Pressure and maybe to a lecker sound stress <laughs> that, that comes along with it. I think there's something I get a kick out of it. Maybe I enjoy the fear. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, a, a week for me, I'm very lucky in that I have a few people that w will have me week to week. Obviously, I still do the odd thing for video gamer. They're, they're kind to me. The what culture stuff's still going on. I do do my own stuff as well. I do a lot of stuff for a website called Trusted Reviews, another one for PC Games In. You know, they, they're, they're, they're very kind to me. They, they, you know, like I said, they enjoy my stuff, which is which is, is humbling to say the least. And they have, um, yeah, supported me ever since ever since I've left. But then there's all this, there's so much other sort of little things that crop up. Like you know, the other day of all the things, if you had told me this, you know, eighteen months ago, I would have said you've got to be kidding me. But of all the things, Nintendo were like, hey, Simon, do you want to come to Insomnia and host our our arms presentation stage? And just like just like insult the crowd a bit. And I was like, <laughs> are, are you serious? Like, oh yeah, yeah, just come be a dick. And I was like. I'm coming. I'll be there. Oh, and so, Lord. yeah, so you kind of... Has that already happened or is that happening soon? No, that happened uh, a couple of weeks ago. That was... That oh, was my it. God, at, I missed yeah, this. Yeah, at the Insomnia event in... Uh, what the hell was it? Birmingham. And I just literally got to go up on stage, play arms, and just insult people. <laughs> How like, many times did you call people babies for uh, liking arms? Twice. Twice. I kept, <laughs> it, I kept it to a minimum. And I did say beforehand, you're getting at least one. And they were like, yeah. And you just think... 
when you get those kind of opportunities which tie into sort of stupid videos you did in the past that were never meant to have any kind of longevity, they were just stupid things that you did because, you know, they made you laugh at the time. So, oh, YouTube, amazing platform that you can just throw this nonsense up. And then to have sort of, you know, the company you used as the catalyst for that say, yeah, Miller, we'd love you to come and sort of, you know, <laughs> rustle up the crowd. You're like, yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> I'll the come. unlikeliest of people. I know. Honestly, you. that's amazing, though. Nintendo's sense of humor is is, is fabulous. I mean, they really—I I can't say enough nice words about Nintendo. To be honest, they—they they really get it, which is shocking because some publishers really don't. But you know, that's no surprise either. So yeah, it's—it's it's been a roller coaster. But I, it's weird. I don't like roller coasters in real life. But I'm enjoying—I'm <laughs> enjoying this one. So you probably have trouble getting in a lot of those roller coaster seats. Like it might be like difficult. <laughs> yeah. You're a big dude. Like it'd be hard. I—I I totally relate on a lot of levels to that idea of that kind of that freelance hustle keeping you on your toes in a way that's both maybe terrifying and anxiety inducing but also motivating um where when you you wake up and you you don't know like all right what am i gonna do today what am i gonna do tomorrow it's it's difficult but like I'm of two minds with it. So right now I am in this um, comfortable full-time job along with the work with Sony Santa Monica and Tan Gentlemen. And with my full-time job, which I really enjoy, there's always this weird lingering feeling in the back of my head after coming from freelance where I'm like, am I going to get just too comfortable doing this? Am I going to maybe have a lot of my work ethic dwindle because I am not always pushing for new work and then i have a day like today where i think i was talking to you earlier like oh i have just a car appointment for my breaks i'm gonna get that done and the bill comes back it's eleven hundred dollars so like you you have that moment out of nowhere where you're like you know maybe it's good i I, i'm not trying to be douchey saying it's good i have money i mean i'm I'm very fortunate for what i do but you have those moments back and forth where i'm like man i miss the freelance hustle and then you get a surprise eleven hundred dollar bill on your car and you're like Jesus, it's really good. I have this full time <laughs> job. It's 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 back and forth, and I I do I think you need that balance, and that's why I do have two jobs because I'm like you. I want to wake up early, even if I don't have to, to push myself in a certain way and get more stuff done. But yeah, you know, it's it, it's hard to find exactly where you fit in with that. Something I really did actually want to ask you because I don't feel like I get to ask people enough about kind of the UK and just European games press scene because I never really experienced that. I um wrote one thing for video gamer way back when but like most of my stuff ended up on GameSpot or ign or um different sites you know kind of based in san francisco california or just at different areas in the u.s uh for you do you normally skew toward these sites when you're doing you mentioned some regulars but if you ever pitch or are you more willing to just go anywhere where the work is the polygons and the waypoints of the world like what's your kind of split between u.s press and european press it's kind of weird at the moment because yeah, all the, I'll call them retainer deals, for lack of a better term, or the people I do regular work for, actually, is a better term. They were all, I guess it's that classic thing, they were all through people that I knew already. You know, they were all through contacts that I'd made and people that I, were, I was talking to. And so, obviously, they were, I mean, they're predominantly UK-based, but then have big US audiences. And it's kind of that thing now where I probably should take a step back and, and kind of look further afield because i would love to do work for you know any any site really but especially the ones that people recognize because you know there's a reason you recognize them right because they've probably got big audiences and they're probably well respected and that is always the the goal for anyone that's making any kind of editorial content is you know i'd, I'd like to be associated with the names that i respect and that are, mm. that are successful but it's been one of those things where bogged down is the wrong word totally because that sounds like a negative but i have been so busy 
with the uh, with the people that I kind of like I say knew through word of mouth, and then in my free time trying to do my own stuff and push that. That I, it's not really something I've explored, but it is something in the back of my head because I was very lucky. Sort of the first couple of months, I did a lot of stuff for Eurogamer, and I loved that just because. It's a completely different tone to the stuff I was doing before. Like they're obviously happy for you to write with personality and flair and be funny, but it's Eurogamer, so you know there is a certain you know what their audience is, and you know it's yeah. the the skill of any good writer is to make sure that you're writing for your audience. You know, it's all well and good to to say, well, I think this piece is great, yeah, but if no one's reading it, then you know you may it's just a fall, you know tree fall in the woods and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but it is something I'd like to do more because I think I know that what culture has a big US audience. But aside from that, a lot of my stuff is kind of UK focused, and I think it would be good to to spread my wins and ju- and just test myself because you know if I could get, uh, I mean, I, I went on the um, I've done the Waypoint podcast a couple of times, but obviously that's UK centric as well. Um, but yeah, I certainly would like to do more stuff for US based US based sites. It's one of those things where I really just need to give myself a day and go. This is the time to send off pitches, make introductions, say hello, and see if they've got anything. But now I guess now I think about it and take a step back. It is very UK centric. Which in a 2017 world is probably not smart. <laughs> I probably need to <laughs> it's, it, it's a strange thing though, right? Because I see that a lot. I see a lot of you know UK writers kind of stick to those specific sites. Um, and same thing with like you know video gamer. I um, I initially didn't pitch to. This is not meant to be some bizarre humble brag. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, I was they reached out to me. Um, who did? Oh, it was Burns. I'd reached I was out say, to me it must about be doing Burns, yeah, yeah, yeah doing a feature back then. Um, so like I had never really thought of it before and there shouldn't be that divide because, you know, it's the goddamn internet. Like we all use it. It's not like, would you please get out of my American internet? Thank you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Miller. Like it's not like there's anything like that. I mean, maybe Trump might eventually do that in some terrifying, bizarre, like hellscape world that he creates, <laughs> but like there's, there's, there shouldn't be that divide, but I've seen it so much. So yeah, I guess like as I've never really, I've talked to, um, I've had, you know, Mike Diver on this podcast before and I feel, and I've just never really asked anyone like why is there that separation? But I, I do think that's there. I mean, is there any uh anxiety about at this point reaching out to maybe a GameSpot Polygon or someone else like another site like that for you? Like it, it, have you kind of reached this point where you're comfortable with the suite of sites you're talking to or do you feel like maybe this Monday suddenly you're going to be like I'm just going to start pitching to motherfuckers? That one, the latter, definitely, because like, I, 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 I never like to be comfortable. That's my other. That's my secret, like the Incredible Hulk. Like to me, as soon as you get comfortable, you're not pushing yourself, and if you're not pushing yourself, you're probably not being as creative as you could be, or at least heading in the right direction. Probably not true at all. I probably should be absolutely happy with my lot, but no, I, I just think that's something that probably in the back of my mind I knew I wanted to do but you do get again I use that word bogged down it's a terrible word but you do you get bogged down in the humdrum as they say and the humdrum's great Mm -hmm. you know it's it's exciting and creative and I get to do a lot but I think it's good to have those moments where you take a step back and you think no 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 wait I should I should try and write for somebody new or, or do something for somebody new because the best thing that could happen is for them to get back to you and say well thanks for this son but this is not what we're looking for we'd rather x y and z and then you've tested yourself in a completely different way and you're only going to grow as uh, as a person in terms of your professional life so it's i know i mean it's something that i should really really look into and there's certainly no anxiety there on my end anyway i you know nobody likes rejection is the wrong word but nobody likes you know to be told oh we're doing this but that any time i've had anything like that in the past is when i've managed to kind of sit down reassess and then sort of come back with better and smarter ideas that people do like. So I'd love to do that. I'd love to reach out to those guys and try and, you know, see if there's anything I can do for them. I think that would be 
yeah, I just think that would be great progression and just another step forward with all this freelance stuff. You know, to me, you can't work for enough people. I mean, you don't want to overexpose yourself, obviously. There has to be some kind of exclusivity. But at the same time, everybody has a different audience. Everybody has a different tone. Everybody has a different approach. And if you can learn to almost be like a chameleon and shift to those, you're only going to get better at what you do. And that's, that's the thing for me. You know, never think you're good enough. Because you definitely there's somebody else that is is probably going to come along and be better than you, so you've got to make sure that you're ahead of the curve. And the only way to do that, like I say, is to push yourself and have people telling you, "Well, not so much. Try again." <laughs> uh, one thing you're probably best known for in terms of stuff you've done is the Miller Report. Like that yeah. is initially what it's uh, <laughs> initially what brought me to the video gamer YouTube channel. It became this like every week thing that i was like up oh, it here it comes like what the <laughs> hell are you gonna do this time and like you do these things around people um that i would just be like i have no idea how you're doing this one keeping a straight face and two not getting like tackled by security or someone <laughs> doing something to you so like i we had talked earlier i think about you possibly rebooting it um i don't really know the status of it I mean, what's what's been going on are you filming for it like what what can you actually talk about and are willing to talk about with you know miller report Maybe it's like 4.0 at this point. Yeah, who knows what it is. It's been relaunched so many times. But that is one of the problems in <laughs> itself. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, it, it did, it had its run at Video Gamer. And I think we would have started doing it again after a break, but then everybody decided they wanted to go their own way. And yeah. obviously that was, it was very much a team a team thing. But I, I like the character. The character was as silly as it sounds, you know, to get to the point that it did. But I did enjoy him because who wouldn't want, it's like the Larry David. I think we said this last time, but... The best thing about Curb Your Enthusiasm and Larry David is that he gets to say whatever he wants. But mm. because you know he's playing a ramped up version of himself, you're like, ah, it's funny. And, that, and the, the, the even better thing about the Miller Report character is the people that get it understand that and the people that don't get really mad. <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, it's fantastic. It sounds terrible and it sounds so, uh, so childish. But there is a certain uh, enjoyment of winding up people on the internet that, the joke goes over their head there just is it's funny to see people getting riled up about silly things so at the moment it's i mean literally my my personal patreon stuff it's all it really has been the last 14 days where i've sat down and thought to myself okay it's time to to get serious about this and you know a big part of that is the miller stuff uh there's nothing I can really sort of specifically say now that he is going to do. I'm just going to do the basic YouTube stuff in the short term, you know, so just just the silly stuff that he used to do before, like almost taking it back to basics without want to sound too pretentious. But there are but there are other things that I want to do with uh, with that as well. And and one of the, the big things for me, it's simply because it was one of the things I most enjoyed doing is the interviews stuff. Like I used to love sitting down with somewhat recognizable figures and just being allowed to say whatever I wanted because I understood it was a joke. And I just, I always thought that was, it's not unique in terms of entertainment because you know, Ali G and Dennis Pennis and, and people like that. But I always thought in video games, it's not something that anybody is doing. You know, the video game interview is such a, and it works, which is fine. But it's such a traditional thing and everybody follows the same format. And there's always so many opportunities to do them. That to not take them seriously seems like such a daft idea. Yeah. But I think that's why, that's why I love it so much. So it is kind of in a rebuilding phase now. I mean, there was a time, and this is still on the table, where we were going to try and turn it into a proper TV series. Mm-hmm. And we did shoot a lot of scenes for it. Like, there is a first episode, which I wouldn't say it's great, but I would say with some serious time and editing, it could be better. But therein lies the key. It was kind of one of those things where we're like, okay, well, this is mapped out and this is good, but it needs work time and it needs probably a bit more money to make it where we want to be. Let's, there's no, you don't need to rush this. 
we don't need to rush it like the the, the you know i did i wrote a six uh, a six episode script for it um and the script i actually think is i wouldn't say it's the greatest thing in the world but i never think anything i do is but i was i thought you should really some... just say that though you should be bold about it and be like no this is the greatest it thing was. in the world i'm glad you brought that up it was the greatest thing in the world like <laughs> it's the best thing ever uh but it was one of those things where it's like we don't need to rush this no one it, it, you know there's no one is bending over backwards saying you must do this now which is the great thing about it it's a personal project so while that kind of does its thing, and I probably will get back to that later in the year, it was like, let's just go and have fun, you know, with 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 this guy again. So in the short term, it is just going to be me having fun with that character, you know, a guy where you can say and do whatever you want and wind people up and, you know, hopefully reaching out to some uh, some people as well and trying to get those interviews back. Because that's what I love doing. That was the real yeah. highlight for me. And uh, yeah, it literally has been, I'd say, the last 14 days where I've been like, okay, things have calmed down, things have settled, we've got some focus back, let's... Let's see what we can do with him. So, and the other great thing as well is that obviously the uh, the videos I do for PC Games End, they're they're very keen for it to be more him than me, which mm-hmm. I always appreciate because it's a whole new audience to wind up, and they really do get mad. I mean, oh man, PC gamers get really mad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, as I say, those comments must be a fucking hellscape. Oh, they're like, wonderful. It has to be just insane. I, I get I, I get wish death on weekly. <laughs> which is which is just fantastic. So yeah, that, that that is that is the plan. But I mean, the majority of it is going to be on the on sort of my own YouTube stuff. And like I say, it's going to be more silly than anything else for now. But there are a few things that you know I'm trying to sort out amongst the amongst the heavy workload. But yeah, I'm 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 quite confident over the next few months that uh, I don't think it would ever be like it was just because it couldn't be because yeah. you'd need everybody involved and they're off being their own successes. But you know, in terms of personal enjoyment from it and what I think it could be, I think, yeah, the next few weeks will be, next few months will be quite be quite fun for anybody that was into that before. And you sorting things out has to be interesting because, you know, so often I talk to people on here who are traditional, you know, games media. I hate the term games journalist. It always sounds weird. Uh, <laughs> games media in some way who, you know, they, they write news or they do reviews or something like that. And, you, you know, when you look at what you've done, a lot of your success has been doing things that other people don't really do. These YouTube videos, these characters, uh, wrestling is a huge part of, you know, not maybe not your games coverage, but who you are. So at, at this point in your mind, when, when someone's turning to crowdfunding or just looking to maybe make any sort of impact and get full time or consistent work in games media do you almost have to take big risks and while staying true to yourself really diversify what you do because i think if you just wrote video game reviews you might get you know good money from certain sites but do you think you would have found the same audience or level of success that you found up to this point no i don't think so i think the the craziest thing that ever happened to me was the day that i woke up when i was a video gamer and i said i think i think i want to start focusing on video yeah because I don't know why I thought that. I think I just enjoyed it. I think it was one of those classic things where I'd done the, done the Let's Play and all, all the you know, talk over gameplay and things like that. And I was just like, you know, I enjoy this. And I've been doing sort of the review side for so long and it just felt fresh and original. And again, it felt like a challenge because, you know, I would look at somebody using Premiere or Final Cut Pro and it would look like Russian. It was like, what the, what the hell is that? <laughs> so to actually sort of sit back and learn it and, and, and feel out of my depth, that's what got me. That, that's what hooked my... You know, and it was ever since I started doing that where everything else came together. And if I hadn't have done that stuff, a hundred percent—I mean, literally a hundred percent of the things I'm doing today wouldn't exist. Yeah, and that to me is—it's overwhelming when I think about it because it, it was not a grand plan. I'd love to tell you I was that smart, and I was like, "I see an opportunity here, and I'm going to manipulate it for my own needs." But it wasn't. All of it was just 
I'm just, it's fun. <laughs> I go muck around and do it. And you know, I worked hard and I challenged myself and I pushed things. But there was no, oh, yeah, this is what... You know, everyone says you have that five-year plan. And I do try and put one together. But it certainly wasn't this. So I do, yeah. think, I do think that change is what really allowed me to be in the position I am now. And as I continue to push... And I, I'm, I'm the first person to admit, especially over the last few months, that my, my personal projects and my patron deserve more attention. But I always knew I'd get back to them. So the fact I am getting back to them now makes me realize the reason that exists, again, is because of everything that I built up when I one day decided oh, it's, it's video time. Yeah. So and I, I still do the odds, you know, the odd written stuff. Like I mentioned trusted reviews earlier. They're very kind. They give me a lot of written stuff, which is nice because you like to keep that, that, side, that side of things alive. But yeah, most people that, that get in touch or I reach out to are like, can, you know, can we talk about video or, you know, some hosting opportunities? And it's just like, yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> like, I love doing that stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things as well where I think maybe I get more satisfaction from it than I did the writing thing. I love to write, and it obviously it's how I, how I started and what I studied in. But yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, people say that you find your niche, and I think this was my niche. And my niche just happened to also have this weird offset that I, 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 I like playing characters, I guess, which is weird yeah. for, for a grown adult to say, I like playing characters, but I do. <laughs> what can I say? I get, I get something out of it. What that is, I don't know. But I'm still doing it, so there must be something to it. Yeah, and that's why five-year plants suck. Yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, totally. You need more data to, you know, and it's one of those things where I always try to open myself up to, I'm probably wrong about most things, I think, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, like, uneducated about certain things. or That's why, like, of course, there's certain moral things you really got to stay strong with or other ideas. But very often, I, I go into many situations thinking, I my opinion likely should at least be tweaked because I'm going to be around people or situations that change that for the better. And that's why, you know, like you, when you you have that idea of like, oh, I'm going to just write about games, then suddenly you realize I'm really good at being on camera and kind of exaggerating my personality in a certain way or changing my personality to entertain people another way. And it's exactly the same with, you know, I was the same way in terms of I only thought I was going to write and then, you know, two years later in a podcast, like the episode before this that people would have heard is Adam Sessler. If you would have told me Amazing, two yeah. years ago that I talked to Adam Sessler on a podcast for an hour and a half about life and video games, like I'd be like, you're fucking insane. Like, no, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to sit here and review Japanese RPGs and talk about how awkward the the weird like 16 year old girls. They're looking, putting in very weird situations. This JRPG and this game's not going to get a high score. Like, that's where I thought I would be right now. But yeah, it's, <laughs> you got to like open yourself up. I think very often, especially if you're a freelancer or any form of person in quote unquote games media that like, look, the industry changes. Uh, if you want to be the person who writes a whole bunch in high school and then maybe gets a journalism degree in college, then you feel like you're guaranteed a full-time job at GameSpot by the time you're 23. That doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. Um, there's cases, of course. There's people who do that, and, you know, God bless them. But, like, you got to adapt. you got to alter your path as you're going. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck on some weird... There's, you know, writing is better than video. Fuck the YouTube world <laughs> island. That You know what that island does? It does not pay you well. And no. you're going to just be in a weird situation. Absolutely. Um, I think, I think you know, personal growth and challenging yourself, I've said that over and over now, but I think it's so important. And you can't look at something like, I mean, YouTube's got its own problems these days we don't need to get into, or we can. But I don't <laughs> think you should ignore that. It's a popular platform, and I think you should just do it. And if you find out it's not for you, then stop. But I don't, I don't get why you would dismiss it so entirely just because it's not what used to be the norm. That doesn't make any sense to me. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like that's one of those things that I've been there before when you're so stuck on writing and you see the YouTube side of it and you're like, that's different. I don't want to do that. But you, you can make it your own shit. Like you can make video essays that are thoughtful and interesting if you love games, written games criticism. There's an entirely different route there. You can show and illustrate the stuff you're talking about through video in a way that adds to what you're saying. And like mm. that's fascinating to me. And that's, uh, I don't think there's enough of that out there on YouTube right now. I'd prefer less exaggerated yelling at horror games and more like let's actually dig into what this game is saying and maybe elements that you didn't see but then again a conversation for a different day it's true it's something i do want to get into a little bit more is kind of your patreon because i i think patreon's such a weird space right now where there's like this certain group of people who are getting like twenty five thousand (laughs) dollars like a second to um talk about video games and then there's like the other crowd very like on the bottom who you know, maybe they launch it and no one really goes to it because people don't know about them or it's hard to get people to pay for stuff that they were getting for free before. So in your mind, how important is it to build your, let's say, hashtag brand if we want to go down that <laughs> route before even considering this crowdfunding route? Because, I mean, you turned your experience at Video Gamer and, you know, the videos you were doing into a Patreon, you're on YouTube channel, and you mean your Twitter account is over 30,000 followers, which is always a weird thing to talk about because Twitter shouldn't be as important as, as it is, but it, it is. Like, let's be honest, it really matters in terms of your self-promotion, in terms of people, kind of a representation of who knows you. So how do, this is a big question for you, how should people know kind of when's the right time to pull that funding lever and say, I'm going to do a Patreon? Because if you do it too early, maybe you end up with, $60 a month and you're kind of on this uh oh now what or if you do it at the right time you're swimming in cash like it's it's a weird world it's, it's crazy and I, I think the thing I learned especially and I certainly never intended to do this but um you know my, my patron you know bless everybody that, that, that gave me money was doing really well at one point but then I let you know life kind of bowl me over a bit and I did start to ignore it certainly not intentionally but just because sometimes you, you know you have to prioritize things and if you've got you know, if it's your own stuff, you always think internally and mentally, well, I can leave this for a bit because yeah. I'm answering to me. <laughs> like he's, he's, <laughs> he, he says it's fine. Um, but why did why have it's, it? In a way, I'm glad that happened because it's been a great experience for me. Going to your original point, I don't think you can ever tell when is a good time to do it. And I also think with Patreon, and again, this is something I've learned, is that focusing on it and having consistent content is the key. I don't think you need to have sort of you know everything locked off and try and entice people. Because I think people will, uh, will warm to you and want to support you if they just like your content. But I think that content needs to be consistent. And I think... You know that there has to be uh, some momentum before before you decide to do it, but you, you you never can tell. So I kind of think it's one of those things where if you think you got a good idea or you do believe you have a following where people can invest in you, I just I mean maybe not just do it. Maybe I do think you should treat it like any kind of business arrangement because as soon as you start treating things like a business, you start thinking about things smartly, and that doesn't mean trying to rip people off, but that just means looking at it from your point of view and going. What are the pros? What are the cons? What can I make out of it? What should I do when it is launched? What should I do to make sure it keeps ticking over? But at the same time, unless you are someone like Jim Sterling, who you know has this huge following and you know much deserves his uh, his Patreon success, you can build it up and you can use that as your foundation, as yes. your basis, and almost your motivation and justification to do content. But I think the key is repetition. And understanding, much like when you start your own YouTube channel, this stuff isn't going to happen overnight. You know, you may have the best idea in the world and you may put the video up and then be devastated that it only does, you know, 100 views or whatever. 
but you've got to keep going. You, and that's why, that's why my big thing is always make sure you're making this content for you first and that you're passionate about it and excites it. So when you're in the awful editing suite and it's kicking your ass, you're like, yeah, but I, I like it. I'm proud of this. And eventually you will build up an audience. Like maybe not, you know, you may not become PewDiePie or anyone like that, but if you stick at it and your work is genuinely good and you have the um, the self-awareness to understand when things aren't good and learn from that. Like I've, put, I've put out loads of stuff that I look back now and go, that was terrible. But I do think I've learned from it for, through those experiences. And I think when you find that momentum, you will know. And like I said, I, I, I found out firsthand. When I first launched it, it did really well. But again, even though technically, using that classic word, my brand got bigger as I did more work for people and my Twitter and social media increased, because I wasn't being consistent and focused in that area, it did suffer. Last couple of weeks, I've actually managed to sit down and start dedicating my time to it, and now I've seen a trend in the other way, because it goes to show I am focusing on this, I am I do consider this to be important. And I think that's the two-way street there is your patrons can tell that you feel it's important and therefore they know it's important as well. So they do feel like they're part of a special club, for lack of a better term. Uh, You know, I do do some stuff behind a paywall, but it's all the kind of stuff I don't like doing in public. Like I know vlogging and stuff is huge on YouTube and I tried it. It's just not for me. It's just something for whatever reason I don't feel comfortable with. However, behind a paywall in a smaller community with people that I know have invested in me, all of a sudden it's not hard for me. And that's, yeah, I can't really explain why that is. But, you know, one of the things I've, again, in the last two weeks that I've started doing is I've, you know, I've made this like uh, exclusive Facebook group for, for people that pay. And I'll just do, you know, as much as I can, a minimum of once a month, but it's been a lot more in the last couple of weeks. It's just these, you know, mini vlogs, just updating people about my fitness stuff, which they enjoy, my wrestling stuff, which I know they enjoy. And, you know, just, you know, people like Q&As. They, they, they like picking somebody's brain. And I could do that on YouTube and it would probably be a great driver in terms of trying to get more people invested in the Patreon. But because I know that's the reason I'm doing it, that's the reason I don't do it because I'm not comfortable doing it and it feels forced and I don't look forward to it. And I think that's the balance you've got to find. Um, It's very strange. I don't know why I'm like that. You know, I'll stand in front of camera and rant and rave about anything, but as soon as it's it's anything that's sort of more personal than just I'm a wrestling fan or I'm a video game fan, it's kind of like I I don't (laughs) want... Maybe I don't want too much of myself out there. Yeah, uh, it's that balance, right? With how much you really want to let out there versus just like when it's... You're reporting on video games or wrestling. You're of course being yourself, but you're you talk about something unrelated to you entirely, and it's it's a weird example maybe. But uh, when I was in high school, I did theater for a while, and I remember when I was playing characters, I didn't I could go on any stage and I would never be nervous, and that was one of my things I always remembered. Where like I'd never shake before I went on stage. I could you know always remember things, but when I ever had to do something that was just me on stage. Um, there was a difference. It's that playing a character versus playing yourself, and it has to be another level Absolutely. for you. Where um, there's the Miller Report, which it's not even you anymore. Like that's another dude who you're just—he's <laughs> inhabiting your body for a bit. It's like the power of Christ is compelling you to talk about wrestling and video games in front of a camera, and then you go next level where you're talking about, you know, maybe games or wrestling in kind of maybe a more newsy way where you're still you, but people aren't focused about that as much as the information. And then you go that next level where suddenly, like, no, I'm now talking about struggles i'm having or things i'm I'm liking that i didn't know i liked and you're an entirely different more personal way and you might like it more with that facebook group because it almost feels like a bunch of friends talking instead of you absolutely out to the world uh yeah and i i think there's is almost a uh what's the word i'm looking for i wouldn't call it a confidence issue that's too much but to me 
especially when it comes to take fitness because that was one of the things that I tried to do these fitness vlogs and they did well and people liked them but my big thing I kept thinking was who cares about this <laughs> who cares about if I because I wouldn't I'm, I, that's not true I probably would care I, I, I invest a lot of my time in fitness stuff but I just kept thinking who cares about this and a lot of people said, well, I care, but it's still, it still was that kind of overriding factor. But then as soon as, and again, it's not the fact they're giving me money, it's more what that represents. It represents support. It represents, you know, I want to in- invest in that stuff. And then all of a sudden you can start thinking, okay, well, they must care. You know, that is tangible evidence that you can look at and go, that is somebody that, that cares about this stuff. And I think that's the thing for me. It was just it just having that hurdle to get over. And you mentioned the whole, you know, character versus you thing. That's something that I did. Like, there is a video, game, a video on videogamer.com, which I won't call out now because I hate it. <laughs> but I had done so much Miller stuff, kind of sort of 2014, 15, or whenever it was, that when I tried to present a video as me, I couldn't do it. Yeah. And it was just, it was completely, I mean, I, did, I watched it back the other day because a friend of mine was... Um, was doing some uh, he's getting into the same kind of thing and you know he'd been told by he, the feedback he had gotten from somebody was you need to work on this and I sent him that video I said dude watch this he said Miller that's you're incredibly like stilted and dry and you don't blink <laughs> and it was just one of those things where I didn't know how to present as myself but then I spent the next year just doing that and that is one of the reasons the Miller report kind of went away for a while because I realized Simon you need to you know, you need to work on you. Like, you can't do the Miller Report stuff all the time. You know, you have to be able to sell you as much as anything else. Uh, and I think it just comes down to that. It just comes down to that finding, uh, you know, you know, your voice in front of the camera. But I do think when you kind of break that down another level to where it's just you talking, I don't mind doing updates and stuff like that where I'm just talking as me. But yeah, but when it's something you're personally invested in, for me personally, I much prefer putting that somewhere small like you say when it feels like friends because that's the yeah. kind of thing you talk about with friends well because then you know they care then you're not putting something out there where you have that moment of like who cares well like when yeah. you actually know it's like well these people paid for it and actually care so like i already know there's this yeah. like level of care that's there and yeah i mean think about how many youtubers already sound like 800 other youtubers like when they start they haven't found their voice yet so they're trying to emulate what other people are doing and then when they actually maybe when they're youtube channels and take off because like wait why would we take the generic version of this when pewdiepie is already there i think they struggle to find all right what do i actually sound like in a video when i'm playing games and they have that moment maybe like you had where it's like what who's in my case like who who is josiah renaton like who is this actual person that i'm you know when i'm presenting this stuff how can i actually present this like me and not like a cheap emulation of someone else and something you said earlier i think was super interesting when you talk about your patreon where like maybe you were kind of letting it go for a bit because you're your own boss like in that way and i think patreon's weird because you are to a certain extent your own boss but you're also beholden to yeah the people who are supporting you right so like that's when you learn when you see that money start dwindling you're like oh shit like yes similar to a freelancer what gets done is dependent on me and not this person who's yelling at me get back to work absolutely the success is so dependent on your dedication to that and you see those numbers go up based on that and uh two other things on like these kind of crowdfunded patreons that i think are super important because i see so much lately on which looking at twitter for an extended period of time is dangerous but i can't help myself um <laughs> where you see people talking about like you know why isn't my patreon doing well or this person deserves it and this person deserves that and in a perfect world of course you want talented people everywhere to make money that they deserve you want everyone to be able to live comfortably doing what they love but i think you have before you start any sort of crowdfunding thing you need to one be super honest with yourself before you start it like uh, you definitely when i look at like i would never turn to crowdfunding it's not my thing 
Um, if I started crowdfunding for Josiah Renaud Incorporated, I'd get like $50 a month. And thank <laughs> you to those like people who are donating that $50 pool. You're, you're loved. But like, I'm honest with myself about where I'm at in terms of why would people support me when what they're, they're already getting what I do for free. Um, and the other one is just like have actual real expectations. Uh, if you like aren't real with yourself and then don't have great expectations and suddenly you turn on the, the money pipe and expect $10,000 a month and you get 30, you're going to be shocked. But I think in so much of this freelance world and so much of building up your Patreon or otherwise, you got to just like take a step back and understand like, what am I doing different? That's interesting. Why would people pay for this? And I think people assume like, Oh, I'm good at reviewing video games. I'm going to do a Patreon about where you can get all of my games criticism and it's going to do really well. There's so much out there for free. Why would you do that? And I think that's probably what you did when you were doing yours of like, why, you know, where do I stand? What am I doing different? And what can I do to actually make this worth people's support that they feel like if I don't support this, I'm missing out on something I really want to see. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm still, I'm still trying to find the answers to that now. Do you know what I mean? I think I have a better understanding today than I did. But, you know, it is that thing of trying to find, like, again, that balance between what am I offering and, you know, what is the value in this? And I think that is the key. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Is that a lot of people, I'm not saying they expect to get lots of cash, yeah. but there is a surprise when they don't. And I always treated my, my personal stuff and my patron. I don't like the term side projects because that's something I don't care. And I do care because I, I don't, you know, there are some videos that I won't put out if I don't think they're, I don't think they're good enough. But I always said to myself, I want to make this stuff. And the, you know, the way that I will justify making it in my head is through a Patreon. And then, like we said earlier, then I know the support is there. Yeah, that's how I did it. Much like a, a company will pay you for work. And you think, okay, well, these, you know, that's where you get your confidence from. It's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll, do, I'll you know, work hard for these people because they're willing to pay me money to make content because they believe the content I'm making is worthy of their financial, you know, of financing me. Which is, uh, when you actually think about it, when you're a freelancer especially, or any kind of job, is a, is a wonderful thing to think. Like, you are so skilled in this area, somebody will give you cash. And that, to me, was a real good, I think it was a motivator for my personal Absolutely. stuff. And I think that's how I, how I kind of see it now. And like I say, now that, because I went through some stuff that kind of got in the way of, of, of sort of work life, because that's what normal life does. But now that's calmed down. You know, knowing there's still a very solid foundation there, and that I know there's room for growth because I know what it got to before. It's a great motivator to be creative, and I'm not saying I'm driven by cash because I'm not. I mean, really, am driven by creativity. That's why I've spent my whole life doing crazy things and running away from real jobs. But <laughs> um, it is a great motivator. More so, you know, the cash is always secondary. It's the people investing in you that really, and it makes me sit down and go, right, I want to be creative, and I want to make sure these people feel utterly. Uh, uh, you know, justified in what they've done. What's the best thing I can put out there for them? And literally, the last two weeks has been—it's been a revelation for me about the, about coming up with this stuff and thinking about what I can offer. And a large reason for that, like I say, is because you know the support is there. And that's you know that, that's not again that's not because it's money. Money is just a wonderful way to do that because we all need money, and it's the most obvious thing to understand in the world. You know, if someone comes up to you on the streets and gives you twenty quid. You may not need that. You know, you, you may not have expected that twenty I quid that day. I wouldn't even know how to use that. I have no no idea how much that is in dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But <laughs> you would go. You you tell everybody that, and twenty pounds is not a great deal of money. But I would. I go. This man just or this lady came up to me, just gave me twenty pounds, and people are like, "Which well, gave you twenty pounds?" Yeah, because it's something everybody understands as a it has it has obviously, but it's true. It has a monetary value to it, and inherently, a monetary value to that also has a significance that makes you feel. 
like you did something of worth because that's the society we've been brought up with. And that's kind of how I use my Patreon. I mean, that's the most over-the-top wanky answer in the world. But, you know, it is true. Like, I don't want to just put shit up there because what kind of service is that? Like, it's doing nothing for them, but also it's doing nothing for me. It's almost saying, well, you shouldn't have invested in this because I don't know what I'm doing. Whereas if I can sit down and really think and really push myself and then come up with something that I'm proud of, you think I'm really happy this process happened because maybe I wouldn't have done this otherwise. Do you think one of the best things you did kind of early on is just be super open and upfront with like your different interests beyond video games and kind of blend that with your actual video game coverage? Because, you know, I, I, I think what you do is super cool. And I think it, what the reason it's cool is because you're not just like, I'm only going to talk about video games, strict video games. Like we're only doing that. Cause you see a lot of sites where like, all right, we're video games plus, I don't know, the walking dead recaps because people seem to click on that. Right. And I think that misses the point. I think what I usually want to see is the genuine enthusiasm from someone who maybe I found through video game coverage. And then I'm like, oh, well, I didn't know he liked this. And now maybe I'll check this out, too. Like, I personally don't care about wrestling, just being fully honest. Um, (laughs) But I almost wanted to start watching it because of how enthusiastic you are. And I I think at the core of this show, it was still always been this advice show for people who want to get into this. And um, I don't think exactly your path is easy to replicate like not everyone's <laughs> going to pile drive their coworkers on video and like throw them around and stuff like that but uh, do you think maybe that's the best advice from what you've done so far is to just like okay you, you can't just be you know again similar to like the patreon idea you can't just be regular video game reporter x if you want to go this sort of route it's best to find this interesting niche where what you do is different and it also incorporates a lot of the other things you enjoy like giant bomb where they had an f1 podcast and a wrestling podcast and different things like that where your personality comes out with games as the focus but other things are supporting that i think so and i think because that inherently that it's a personality thing isn't it and in 2017 where we're talking about social media and personal brands letting people know who you are in that sense and let them know you're not two-dimensional I think changes everything because then again even to say take Twitter that we brought up earlier then you're not just uh, oh that's the guy that works for GameSpot talking about games then you become oh that's Jeff who works yeah. at GameSpot it's a terrible name all the names I could have picked but you know there's <laughs> Brian who works yeah, at Bri- yeah exactly yeah, yeah exactly but all of a sudden you get to you get to know them and it's this weird thing where you don't know them but because they've let you in to a passion that maybe you share or that you like you said you didn't you didn't know that they were into and they're passionate about it and they're excited about it all of a sudden they become more of a human being and i think that's yep. the key and i've just it's weird i've always again i hate this term but i can't think of a better one i have always worn my passions on my sleeve like even when i was a kid and professional wrestling was considered you know, that was a reason to be punched in the face to like professional wrestling. <laughs> but I didn't care. I was always, I've always been like, well, no, I like it. So, you know, screw you. I, I'm, not, I'm not dictating my life by what you consider to be, be good or bad. For whatever reason, I think pro wrestling is awesome. And therefore, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. I'm going to be passionate about it. And it's going to make me happy. And if something makes me happy, then no one else is going to take that away from me. And yet, it was just one of those things that when I did... Again, I mean, you hit the nail on the head again because I started talking about it on the Video Gamer podcast or dropping in lines here and there in reviews or the odd video that I did. And all of a sudden, you would get that feedback back. We're like, oh, Miller, I didn't know you like wrestling. I like wrestling. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And then it just grows and it grows and it grows. And then 
you know, I used to talk about Metallica a lot and stuff as well. And people, oh, I like Metallica. And it just, it grows, it grows, it grows, it grows. And before yeah. long, there is this rapport there. And I think that rapport is important because you're not going to like the same thing as your readership. You're always going to have some things that you don't see eye to eye on. But if they see you more as a person and they, they under, I know the internet's not very good with opinions, but the good people under get that. And if you can build the abbas, you're just a human being, I like this and this is my opinion on this, that's when you can also you know, have these dialogues with people where you do have discussions and debates and it, it, you become more than a, a, say, a video game reviewer. You become a person that's in a privileged position, ultimately, but who has, like I say, a third dimension to them. And I think people like that. I certainly do. And we talked about wrestling. I mean, sort of, to me, the the quintessential place to go if you're into wrestling is the Wrestling Observer. That is the, I mean, in terms of video games, that would be, I mean, maybe at the Polygon Poly, the polygon is that, of, is that Dave Meltzer? That's right. You see, okay, I so mean, I'm an MMA guy, and that's how I know him because he also covers MMA. Absolutely, but there you go. The fact you know his name, I think, sums it up. You know, he is yeah. the he, he is the wrestling guy. But I don't know them. I've never met him or Brian Alvarez. But because I consider them an authority on wrestling, because of the way they talk about it and the knowledge and the work they put in, and because when I listen or read the stuff, they'll talk about, as you've just said, MMA or the films they like or the music they're into, all these kind of stuff. When I tune in and listen to them or read their stuff, I feel like I have some sort of relationship with them. I don't. I don't know these people. But the fact that they're able to do that, and it's not just I'm a wrestling fan, here is my wrestling opinion, it turns them into people. And so when I do put on a podcast, even if I'm just pottering around my house, I, I invest in them. Even subconsciously, I invest in them like I know them because I know their opinions on lots of different things. And I think... It's, just, it's social media mainly that I think has changed that because everybody has a voice nowadays. So if you don't sort of, I'm not saying you should be a dick. No, I hate that. I'm not saying that <laughs> at all. But if you don't come across as, uh, you know, I mean, look at all the sort of um, corporate Twitter accounts that would just tweet news or just uh, try and sell things to you. Yeah. You know, people, uh, there's a disconnect there. But when you get one that understands and it is a person, they usually, in terms of engagement, do a lot better. And I think that's the same with anything nowadays. I just think you, f- you need to feel approachable and you need to feel like a human being. And uh, look, there's no one in the world that just likes video games. It's just not true. It yeah. doesn't exist. And I think, and I also think it's important from video games as well. Video games are a form of entertainment. For, you know, for ages, they were like the, the bastard child of entertainment. But they're not. They're just as important as anything else. And I think that you shouldn't be throwing them into a corner and cornering them off. It should be the complete opposite. It should be like, okay, well, I focus on video games, but I like films, I like music, I like books, and I'm going to use my experiences from there to help shape my video game coverage. And then through that, I become my own person. Even if all my opinions are exactly the same as you know the video game journalist over there, because I've shaped them in that way, I am unique. And I think that's really important. The this concept of people kind of getting investing in personalities through game sites or otherwise, it, it seems old, but it's so new, and I don't think we realize that because we're now in a weird spot with it. When you talk about like YouTube personalities that start as like, oh, I like that guy on YouTube, to now they have one point five million, you know, Twitter followers and three million subscribers. It's it's kind of a new world, and we're seeing why it's weird because. Let's talk about JonTron for a second, where suddenly he starts <laughs> saying things that are not okay. And, <laughs> no. like, because I'm one of those, like, of course, you should be able to say your opinion. But when your opinion is that mm, venomous and harmful, yeah. like, that's when you get in a really weird zone. And I'm not going to uh, ask you to stroke your own ego here, but I mean, you have like 43,000 now that I just checked Twitter followers. Uh, and you're 
maybe not John Tron or PewDiePie, which is a good thing. I don't think I'd have you on this <laughs> podcast if you did. Uh, but do you now, are you now in this kind of odd zone where because people are invested in you on Patreon and um, care about what you have to say and, you know, like are, you could tweet something crazy right now and it would cause a Twitter controversy in our video game media sphere for a bit. Like, do you think about that now? Do you kind of think about influence is a weird word, but like there are people online who maybe don't understand how big of an impact what they say can mean. I think um, I like a lot of aspects of Joe Rogan. I dislike a lot of aspects of Joe Rogan. One thing I think is always interesting with him is I don't think he realizes that if he suddenly talks ad nauseum on his podcast about how he thinks Hillary Clinton is like unfit to be president, that literally impacts a large portion of these millions of people who are listening to him. Not to the same degree, maybe, but do you think about this, about maybe how, how what you say can affect people? See, I'd say consciously I don't, but at the same time, I mean, if you go through, especially recently, man, I've been a, I've been a, a YouTube tweet machine recently, but um, <laughs> it's just one of those things where all the opinions I kind of give are, they're, 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 they're nothing opinions. Do you know what I mean? They are, oh, yeah. I thought this wrestling angle was good, or I enjoyed this bit in this game. When it comes to stuff like politics or... Other things that actually carry serious weight. Like if I tweet out, oh, I thought The Last of Us was brilliant and someone goes out and buys The Last of Us and they don't like it. Well, that's not really... I'm, I'm, it's a shame that you know that uh, uh, my opinion is different to theirs and they spend money on something. But it's ultimately shallow, right? Like it's yeah. not going to... It's going to be frustrated and maybe in the future that person will be like, well, I'm, don't listen to him anymore. He doesn't know what he's talking You're about. You're not on Twitter's telling people i'm going to pile drive everyone who doesn't support brexit like you're not like going into some weird direction politically. that's it that's it and i i've always always been that way just because for starters i'm very much of the ilk i mean not john tron levels that was bad i'm happy yeah. to come out and say what on earth was that <laughs> yes but when when we're talking more civilized and more reasonable debates i'm very very uh, open and understanding to other people's ideas and I don't ever want to come across as preachy that's my, my my biggest thing in the world is that I don't think if I had four followers or 40,000 followers that my opinion is worth any more than anybody else's I'm privileged that I have that following and they don't unless it's something I was if I felt really strongly about something I mean I did actually something I think we can we can talk about to, to, to kind of showcase this and I've never tweeted anything like this but when PewDiePie's controversy happened recently with the uh, with the Jewish stuff yeah. uh, that did bother me because I am a I'm a Jewish man my family on my on my father's side is Jewish uh, and I, I, I would call myself a I am a I consider myself a Jewish person but it's more of a personal thing for me. So I don't go out there talking about it much. I don't go out there shouting about it much. I go to synagogue occasionally, but I'm not there every week. There's no point pretending that I am because it's not true. However, <laughs> I, I am a fan, let's go with, of the religion and its teachings. And it, the upbringing in that community gave me a lot of friends and a lot of you know, good times and, and, uh, and memories of, of my family members who, who were you know, very passionate about it. And that meant a lot to me. When he first did what he did, I didn't actually think there was a problem. It was his actions afterwards that that bothered me when it was quite clear his way he thought of getting out of it was to make videos saying, oh, haha, I killed Hitler in a game. See, I, I hate Jews. Yeah. As opposed to just putting his hands up and saying, look, I shouldn't have done that. I'm really, really, really sorry. Let's this move on. This doubling down thing is so That's bizarre. It. It's like they have this big following that tells them, no, what you're doing is not wrong. And they think that, like, well, maybe it's not wrong. And suddenly, in their mind... They need to double down, and like that's the part I really like. 
people fuck up, and you're going to fuck up in major Absolutely. ways with an audience of that size. I just don't understand the doubling down on your fuck ups. No, that that's what I don't get as well. That to me is when it does become offensive. And honestly, I am so hard to offend. I'm so <laughs> hard. I have friends that send me text messages which if I, you know, put public. Oh my gosh, the shock and awe would be. <laughs> but I understand. I understand. It's all about where it comes from. It's all about context, which is why I didn't actually mind what PewDiePie did at first because I saw what he was trying to do, and I don't think he's a massive uh, anti-Semite. And I know people that know him, and apparently he's a very, very lovely guy. Mm. But it did bother me to the point, and I did tweet one thing, just one thing, saying uh, I, 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 actually, I did something on my Facebook account first. Obviously, that's personal. You have your friends yeah. on Facebook. But then he did something else, and I, I don't know. I felt the need just to say. You know, not all I said was something along the lines of, you know, this isn't cool to me. I just want to say this out loud, get it off my chest, this this isn't cool to me. And I had a lot of people come back going, oh, you don't get it, you're a dick and stuff. But I didn't respond to any of that. And I think this is the point I was trying to make. It's like, okay, if you believe that, I didn't, I didn't receive anything that I would consider anti-Semitic. I, I received PewDiePie Defense Force, we'll call them. There's a big difference there. Uh, you know, if someone come back and said, you dirty Jew or something like that, I would yeah, that probably. Might be an issue. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, someone just saying, well, I don't care what, that's fine. You, you like PewDiePie and you're defending him but i didn't feel the need to respond to any of that just because that is their opinion their opinion wasn't uh you know so controversial that it became this this other thing it was just they really liked pewdiepie and i I guess the other thing as well is i don't i like i like to think of myself as as a humble man but if you say you're a humble person that probably means you're not humble but (laughs) you know to me i'm flabbergasted that i have forty thousand followers on twitter like, I think I've disconnected myself so much from it that when other people kind of go, Miller, you Twitter, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, kind of run away, <laughs> run away. Uh, and I just think in that sense, I, I see it as, I think you, you, need to, you need to almost be more thoughtful about your social media when you get to those levels. Like, I don't necessarily think you should be saying, saying certain things. So maybe I am more conscious of it than I'm aware, even though it's kind of a conscious, subconscious kind of a thing. Because it's not like every day I, I go to tweet something political and go, no, no, I, I can't possibly do that. It just it never really comes to the forefront. Um, but I do think you have to be smart with it. Maybe it's just that. Maybe I feel like, as opposed, I'm not saying PewDiePie didn't work hard, but obviously PewDiePie went from, you know, a, a, a person that enjoyed making videos to a, a, a worldwide celebrity. Yeah. You know, and I, that is, you know, especially at his age as well. I think maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's just my age. I am a lot older. And I'm not saying I have a, 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 an audience the size of PewDiePie. Of course not. Nowhere near. But I do think maybe I made all the same mistakes, but I made them in, an, in a time in an era where, you know, they went under the radar. I mean, don't I never said anything <laughs> religious or politically. Yeah, like, and, and that, that, that's the weird thing is like, it is that balance where I think you're totally right, where there is, there's this young person who is going through like making a lot of the mistakes a lot of us do at that age but now doing it in front of millions and millions and yeah. millions of people on a daily basis but then there's the same thing i agree with you where it's like yeah but jesus christ like i i would i would make some dumb comments but i don't know about it. there's like then it's like eh, it's like there's like anti-semitic and racist comments which <laughs> yeah, i would yeah. like to think i never made when i was like I that age yeah they never came to mind <laughs> i mean i yeah, probably like said that. i probably made some dumb jokes about i don't know well, just silly things that you look back on and go, but they weren't they were never racially or politically charged. Yeah, they were just stupid, dumb jokes. That's the part that always like gets to me. That's like this weird, like the dichotomy in my head of like, oh man, like uh, could you? Uh, I, I could see myself getting in some sort of trouble, and you're like, but I couldn't see myself getting in that sort of trouble with that <laughs> audience. Or like, I wouldn't like. Oh. I do think it's an age thing. I really, 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 really do. Maybe if I was, you know, 22 years old and had this audience and felt empowered and had all this cash, maybe I would lose lose sight. And I can understand why people would. But 
I don't know. That's the only thing I can put it down to. And I, I know today, like even, you know, we've got a general election coming up this year in the UK. Uh, and I, I won't say anything about it. I might, make, I might yeah. make a few jokes. You know, if I see something funny that I think can tie into something like video games or wrestling that, you know, that's the only thing I ever tweeted about Donald Trump was that he got stunned by Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. The President of the United States got stunned by Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it was bad stunner as well. He took it terribly. <laughs> it would be great if he did more of those. I would love him to just, you know, <laughs> go get back into, into it properly. Yeah. Be way more productive than... But that's the God. thing. I mean, I have obviously a political side. Everybody does. But I'm not going to talk about it on Twitter. Again, you know what? You know what? I could have summed this up much easier. It comes back to the fitness thing. I just don't think anybody cares. I don't think anybody cares what I have to say about politics. And I'm sure there are some people that actually do. But because internally, I don't think they care. I'll probably talk about it all in my Patreon and my Facebook group. <laughs> that's well, guess what? My <laughs> last questions for you are all based on fitness. So this is the part of no one cares. Turn the fucking podcast <laughs> off. Because I actually did want to with that because i i i don't really know what made you kind of go on this fitness path that you're currently on because i uh it's something i'm interested in i was this fat eighth grader like 200 pound short eighth grader uh when i was younger and then um got super skinny i might so for me it was um my older brother called me fat i remember this very crystallized in my head and I, that's probably not the best way to learn how to lose weight, but it sure did help me. It made me lose weight. I got down to like 145 in college. Wow, which is way too man. Small. Um, was, and then I'm back up to like 170 and like I lift every single day and I really enjoy it. And I think it's extremely important. Um, I'm not trying to get up on this weird like soapbox and say, you need to exercise every day. But like for <laughs> me, it keeps me motivated. It keeps me active. It makes me feel good. So like I lift every day. I, I like run multiple times a week and like that's important to me. So for you um to get into this point where you could probably lift you could curl a josiah in each arm we're in very different situations (laughs) with this but like what kind of made you decide i'm gonna go do this or has it always been like that well i mean i fell in love with the gym when i was 16 Mm -hmm. like it was again through wrestling just to tie it all back in like you know i saw all these uh i saw all these you know strapping gentlemen exactly larger than life dudes (laughs) and i was like oh man that's cool so you know, I had a mate of mine who was, a, who was a few years older than me, and he was going to this like you know adult gym where you had to be eighteen. But he, you know, he got me through the doors. Which instantly, when you're sixteen, you feel like, oh man, I'm I'm the coolest kid ever. Yeah. And it was literally one of those things where you know I did my first bicep curl or whatever it was, and I just thought this, is, I loved it, I loved it, and it gave me, uh, you know, I was I was very shy and a very timid child, a very kid, especially in school, and it just you know slowly gave me confidence to just believe in myself more and and ever since then like everything i've based or you know my work ethic my drive how I, I approach things has all been and loads of people say this and it's the stupidest thing to say but it is true to a certain extent but it has been based on the way that you adapt and you grow in the gym so you know yeah. that you're not going to go to the gym and wake up tomorrow and be massive but you know that if i eat right and i train well and i keep going and i don't give up i am going to see changes down the line so it's just one of those things and like, you know, I, I kind of just mucked around with it for a while. I remember when I was a kid, I used to go to the gym and then I'd eat Haribo and drink Coke and, you know, not have a clue. And then oh, when I was... That sounds like diarrhea central. That sounds <laughs> <Yeah>. like a nightmare. <laughs> it's just a stupid kid not having a clue. But then in university is when I started taking it really seriously and learning about nutrition and diet. And ever since then, I've been... Um, you know, I've been a, I've been a gym goer ever since and I was a power lifter for a while and I competed in a load of power lifting competitions and... You know, I did all of that, and then I kind of, you know, it was it's just like, well, okay, what's, you know, what's next? So I was still training, and I was still lifting weights, but yeah, it was just, it was just last year. It kind of tied into the wrestling thing, like you know, I wanted to, 
I, I don't know what it was, mate. I just all of a sudden, I thought, you know, right, all these things I've always said I'm going to do, I'm going to do. So it was like I started the wrestling thing. That was the first thing. And I was, mm. again, I struggled and I overcame hurdles and that was great and I felt rewarded. And then it was just like, not that I needed something else, but it was just, I think it just gave me the motivation, the confidence to go, okay, now we go on to, you know, the, the thing that you've been doing for ages, but we kind of focus it a bit more than we have done in the past and we have a yeah. goal and we have something we're aiming for. And, and also, I think on, on a higher level as well, I just like having all that stuff. I, like I say, I like waking up every day and knowing, well, you have to do this, this, and this. Even yep. if you've got nothing else on, you have to eat right, you have to make sure you get to the gym and all that kind of stuff. I just love it. I think that's the thing. It's kind of my, it's kind of my base to everything is the gym. Like No matter how stressful the day is or no matter what else I've got on, I know I can go to the gym and for an hour and a half or so I'm focused and I'm not thinking about anything else. It's almost my, my downtime, as, as weird as that sounds. Because I'm the exact same way. And yeah. It, we're in the same mindset in terms of like, no matter what's going on in that day, it's not if I'm going to the gym, it's when. Exactly. Like it's, not, it, it's, it's not an optional thing, which sounds crazy to some people. And I fully understand it gets obsessive if you oh, me too. I get, get into it. a certain mindset. But for me, it became not ritualistic as much as like, this makes me feel good. If I don't do this in a certain day, I usually feel like shit. Yeah. I usually can't get going. I, my mind's not firing. I, I'm maybe like, even like it, it, it kind of, it, changes your emotions too about how you're tackling that day so for me it just became this thing of like it once you get through that first few weeks usually when you're starting a routine it's like it's a nightmare you're struggling with like the eating or like the actual like routine of going to the gym but once you like lock that in it's been one of the most like life-changing things for me which sounds like such a bro science bullshit when i say (laughs) that where i'm like my life was changed when i first started benching but like in terms of getting other stuff done it's kind of my fuel and it's also this odd downtime where I can listen to a podcast if I have to or music and just chill after a weird day. It's exactly the same for me, man. Like, I, I'm lucky. I completely understand why people don't want to go to the gym and, and can't understand any of that. And the fact that gym culture does, much like any culture, has, has negatives to it. But I like to go. That's the key. You know, when people ask me and they say, you know, what can I do to be motivated? I'm like, I can't help you. Because I can, I can give you advice and stuff, but I'm, I am the luckiest man in the world. In the sense, like I said, the first time I went to the gym, I loved it. And to this day, I get excited about going to the gym. It, it's something I look forward to. Like, it, yeah. it, I get a kick out of it. And if you enjoy something, it's not hard. <laughs> like, it's really, yeah. really not. There are hard elements to it, but it's not hard to go and do that when you know you're going to have a good time. So, you know, totally. that's, that's, always been, that's always been my thing. And I, that's the kind of thing I always, I always say to people that do ask is, you don't have to go to the gym to be in shape. There are other things you can do. You just need to go out and find what that is. And that is tough Like, because there's so many different things you can do. But I think there is something out there for everybody. Even if it's something you know, utterly out of left field. Like, I don't know, maybe you, you get into beach volleyball. Maybe that could be yeah. your thing. You just well, don't know. It, that's the thing. People who say, I hate running. I'm like, have you tried like kickboxing? Have yeah. you tried like mma like rolling and like uh, jujitsu and stuff like that which like maybe that stuff doesn't immediately sound exciting to you but if you hate running there are definitely other ways to build that cardio in the same way where if you hate traditional weights there's other ways to do this shit and it's just yeah for me it was always like finding what actually kept my attention and kept me to want to not you know cut corners on workouts suddenly you're doing fewer sets or fewer reps because you're like i'm bored with this exactly i gotta mix this up or i'm gonna not I'm going to waste my time here. I want to actually like use this time to grow in some sort of way. I guess grow both literally and figuratively. Well, that's, uh, it's true, though. I, I think that's half the fun with that kind of stuff is that you do get to experience that on both levels. 
And Absolutely. uh and that's the that's the thing I always say to people is that you just don't do it if you don't enjoy it. That is a waste of time. It really is a waste of time. I mean if you've if you've given yourself a goal like, oh I want to do this competition or something, that's different. Because then you're 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 aiming for something utterly you, you may have to take on certain aspects of that that you don't like. But if you just want to get fit and you just want to get in shape, yeah, just, you know, don't listen to, you know, what other people say. Find your thing and embrace it. And no matter what it is, it could be, you know, some samba dancing. Like, but it's still cardio. Oh, That's man. the thing. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I know know someone. They're, they're well into samba dancing. That's what they do three times a week. That is their gym. So, you know, I, I just, that, that's the thing I, I really, really, really push. And you know, the internet's awful for that because the internet kind of, it, it, the gym culture is a, is a punishment culture. You have to be up at this time and you have to do that. Absolutely not. The gym should be like you're playing a video game or you're watching a movie or you're reading a book. It's your downtime. It's something you enjoy doing. And if you're yep. not, just take a step back and figure out what it is that you do want to do. Maybe you want to be a wrestler. That's good cardio. Trust me. That is good cardio. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's my thing. I hate, yeah, the culture around is what bugs me, is seeing, like, Instagram posts being, like, up at 4 a.m., what are you doing in your bed still sleeping? Like, fuck you. Like, let me let me do this the way I want to do this. Exactly. Like, and that's how everyone should do it. Like, however you want to do it, you don't need to feel like you're being, like, forced to do it or, like, you're somehow being guilted into doing it. Find what you like, go do it. And I just always encourage it because it changed how I think about things. It made me feel better. It improves every other aspect of my life. Yeah. Um, and that's the only reason I want people to do it, not because I think you go and have to do that. Uh, no, and that's that's the thing that really upsets me about the gym. I've talked to so many people that are like, but I feel shamed. And anyone that's doing that to you is a terrible, terrible person. Like, yeah. you know, the dude that gets up at four and then throws it in other people's face, he's, he's not a good person. Like, he's getting up at 4 a.m. doesn't make you a good or bad person. You know, sleep yeah. and rest is important for muscle growth, so he could be an absolute moron. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you, have, to, you have to work to the, uh, yeah, the situation that you, your own life has, but also the things that, that work and don't work for you. And I, I hate all that. Uh, and I get it. I understand where it comes from because that's where they find their own self-worth. And that's great. But then to try and take away somebody else's, I, I'm not into that at all. I hate it. It's not fair. Yeah. Those people suck. They're awful. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. I hate Stay them. away from Instagram motivation through fitness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, usually, exactly. it's usually pretty it, – it's either just awful or annoying or it doesn't help. Just find something else. Uh, last, last thing. What can we expect from Simon Miller in 2017? Like, what do you have going on that you could talk about? You mentioned kind of digging back into your Patreon, uh, working all these different sites. Like, what should we look for that you're doing the rest of the year? Man, I am. I'm genuinely. This isn't just some 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 cheap plug, but I, I now I'm settled and I've got all these ideas that I can actually execute. And like I said, I had to move house, but I've been able to set up a home studio and all those kind of things. Just I, I I'm ready to, to to sort of kick ass in 2017 so <laughs> i'm going to keep doing all the stuff i've been doing as long as you know these companies want me and fingers crossed they do and i'll call that my bread and butter for lack of a better term and you know anyone that wants to come and, and join me over there is great but yeah definitely a big push on the patreon with just fun silly stupid but informative videos uh, the occasional one that's not informative at all and is just nonsense but i love nonsense so it's fine um yeah big push on the patreon a big push on the youtube obviously i've got all this stuff sort of going on outside of that with the the bodybuilding and the pro wrestling and i'm in a band as well we've got some stuff planned which is cool so i mean the rest of 2007 to me 17 to me is really it's just all about my sort of my passion and my and my pet projects i guess that i really want to focus on and and, and, and try and almost utilize this uh, this lovely following that I do have. I gem- genuinely am incredibly appreciative of. And just try and build them all in together. And, uh, you know, it's something... I, actually, I got something to do today. Some stupid idea that I, I kind of... 
I'd tease a little bit, I guess. I mean, it's dumb. It's, it's super dumb, yeah, but it's just exclusive. Well, I wouldn't call it that. <laughs> I wouldn't call it that. Nope, at all, but... calling it. It's too late. We're too far. <laughs> but yeah, I just uh, you know I, I wanted to sort of do all these. Um, just competitions and things like that to, to give something back. So I've got a bunch of these absolutely ridiculous T-shirts made featuring <laughs> my name in logos that you will most definitely recognize that I want to give away as competition prizes. But it's just small things like that where, you know, they don't mean anything. They're just small. But, you know, in context and the things that I'm trying to do, it's just, you know, I, I want to try and... Uh, I want to try and build a, a community, and I don't mean that in an entrepreneurial business sense. It's like, I want to crush the world. I mean, more of a sense <laughs> of more people enjoying videos, more people having fun, uh, hopefully more people to invest in the stuff that I'm passionate about, such as you know lifting weights and wrestling in my band and my videos, but also to get that back from them as well, you know, to build up a rapport, build up communication with these people, and um, you know, just, just just yeah, have a community where we know we can all have fun, we can all have a laugh, and and go from there while obviously doing the, the stuff I call my bread and butter, which I still enjoy. I'm not going to pretend yeah. it's not fun because it is. And yeah, hopefully, I mean, yeah, if I, you know, in the dream world, the bigger I can get the patron, the more I can focus on that. You know, that's the dream for everybody. But that will always, unless it really somehow explodes, uh, that will always be kind of, so I focused on it. Like I said, I've got a schedule in place now, which I'm definitely going to stick to. But yeah. so, yeah, I mean, that, that that's my thing. And um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I'm happy and you know, I'm confident with it all and I think that's the most important thing and hopefully, and I say my big thing is always remembering where you were 10 years ago and, and respecting where you were now and trying to, yeah, stay humble. I think that I think that's really, really, really important. Again, I'm not saying I, I'm the rock or anything like that because I'm not. not but Yeah, not yet, exactly. Well, that's the thing, who knows? But at the same time, you know, a lot of people say not a, a lot of nice things for me. Like I, I had... Um, I had a guest on that's going to be on my pro wrestling podcast next week, and he, you know, he just was very, very complimentary about some of the things that I've done. And you think I don't know this guy, and you know, he's saying he's saying such nice things. And I think appreciating those little things and remembering that no one has to say them is is important. Don't take stuff for granted. I guess is the, is the overwhelming thing. So yeah, lots of stuff coming up. Hopefully, it's all all a huge success, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take it from there. And, and there is actually something else as well that I didn't mention, but. Mm. Um, that's uh, I'm hoping to to sort of set up my own production company as well. I mean, that's all I can really oh, say at the awesome. moment. Yeah, because it's all kind of it's just an idea on a piece of paper at the moment, and I'm not sure that's something people would outwardly see. I mean, that's more going to be sort of behind the scenes stuff and, and sort of helping out, you know, people on YouTube and, and things like that. But um, yeah, that's something else I want to I want to try and do as well. Just get into that because I like the behind the camera stuff as well. It'd be good to kind of push myself there too. Yeah. It's it's been super awesome to see, and that's why I really wanted to have you back on here because things have changed so much for you. And one of the cooler parts about having returning guests is to kind of be like a, you know, of course you hit on the normal top like interesting topics people want to hear, but it's also like, hey, how you been doing? Like it's <laughs> different now, and like it's been cool to see like you know everything change, and uh, you do so many interesting things. At this point, you're gonna start squeezing so many hours out. You're you're gonna not not to be cliche, but you have to add another hour to the day. Absolutely, man. Starting this production company, it, it, but. Uh, it's 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 been super cool to see, and I, I really do appreciate you coming on and talking about all this. Uh, oh it's... no, I appreciate you having me, man. Like again, it is always that thing where when someone says, "Hey, man, come talk about you know your life," you're like, "You really? You want me? You want me to talk about my life? Yeah, cool, great." <laughs> I, I honestly, man, I think maybe that's maybe that's the, sort of the key to everything is that I'm still overwhelmed by all of this most of the time, so it's yeah. like, it's pretty good. I think as long as you're still like overwhelmed in a positive way it's it's still always worth doing i think that's the moment where the second where all of this becomes normal i think is the second where everything gets weird absolutely that's always the way i look at it. the second where like i'm talking to someone on a podcast who i've like 
looked like Lauren Lanning, who I've looked up to since I was a kid, and, and not to make him sound old. Sorry, Lauren. Uh, and suddenly, <laughs> like, I have this moment of like, oh shit, this is really happening. Like, the second that stops being cool, the second I need to start doing something else. So Absolutely, thankfully, that man. hasn't reached this point yet. Man, so, me neither. Me neither. Um, I'll have you back on here again, like right when you get like super wrestling famous and are wrestling <laughs> The Rock. Um, I'm gonna cash in on that right before you get there, so that I'll be like, oh, I want to hear what he was like way back when. I'm like, I got you. He he's on three episodes, and each one's very interesting. You'll love it. Um, but yeah, before that, can't wait to see what else you're doing and all of the crazy shit you're doing in your 25 hour days. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you very much for having me, dude. And I really appreciate it. It means a lot. Absolutely. Thank you everyone for listening. Hopefully you tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.